going to continue to walk through uh, these 144 hours leading up to the cross. We talked about the triumphal entry um, on, a, on a Wednesday night, so make sure you go back and watch the video. Um, it is on YouTube. It's on our website. Just go to our website and click watch. Um, all of those are there. Um, and we take a moment even today on Palm Sunday. Why do they call it Palm Sunday? Wave your hand for a moment. Some of, some of you, we've got some Canadian friends with us today. Uh, Pastor Lindsay's mom and aunt are here. My dad and my stepmom are here. And they don't get to see palm trees that much. And so now they know why even our hands look like some of those palm trees, don't they? Hosanna in the highest. So um, a couple Wednesdays ago, we talked about the triumphal triumphal entry. We already had Palm Sunday. It was a couple weeks ago. So if you missed it, make sure you go check it out. And then Monday, Jesus clears the temple. So we're talking about Holy Week, these 144 hours leading up to the cross. And, and on Monday, Jesus shows up at the temple, and you have these people exchanging money and selling animals and their inflated prices. And um, he gets some righteous anger. And we talked about that last Sunday, and that's online too. Make sure you go watch it. And then, and then this past Wednesday, we, we, we walked up to Tuesday and Wednesday of Holy Week. And Pastor Mark shared a great message talking about where Jesus told them to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. And the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then so today, part four, we are on to Thursday. Thursday, part four. And can we stand for the reading of the, this part of the word? We're going verse by verse uh, today looking at this. Check this out. In Mark 14, 12 to 16, it says, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Well, like, what? A jar of water? Well, it was very uncommon for a man to carry a jar of water. In that culture, he would carry it in a wineskin, and a lady would carry, I know that's just a side note, follow him. Verse 14, say to the owner of the house he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. The disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, today we, we pray as we read the word, Lord, that you would illuminate it to us. Lord, that we wouldn't just hear it with our ears, but we would hear it with our heart, with our soul. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. And so we have this scene where Jesus and his disciples this week are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate in Jewish culture their greatest celebration, Passover, when they 
got taken out of Egypt, out of the bonds of slavery, into the promised land. And so we've walked through these things, and now on Thursday is the day for Passover. And then during this feast, during this Passover celebration, we call the Last Supper, right? You remember they're all sitting on the same side of the table in all the paintings? They probably weren't, okay? <laughs> it's like, wow, they're set up for like a TV show here. That's not really what it looked like, but they're having this Last Supper, And I don't know about you, but I remember as a kid going off to a new adventure or going to school, that was when my parents would tell me probably the most important things on the eve of that event. Do you remember those times your parents would say, hey, make sure, do this, do that? They'd have some really important things to say. Same with my my daughter when she goes off to do something or something's happening um, in... Uh, her life, where I say, okay, Emma, you're, it's time. And it's so important, and an important moment. And imagine this moment that Jesus is going to have with his disciples before the cross. And even for us to be able to look in, in Scripture, we get to be in the room Because Matthew and Mark and Luke and John wrote it down for us. Amen? Amen. So we get to be part of this Last Supper. Even today, as we think, like, imagine this room. Disciples were probably a little bit tired. It's the end of the day. Who knows what they've been doing that day? We don't really quite know. But they're there with Jesus And he has some important things to say because just after this, they go to the garden, they pray, and guess what? Jesus is taken from them to go on trial, a very rushed and quick trial. And then the next day, they're piercing his hands, his feet, his side. They're putting the crown of thorns on him. They're crucifying Christ. So on the eve of this event, Jesus sits down, right? They don't have LED lights. They're under candlelight. They're in an upper room. Who knows that what may have happened in that upper room a little while later? Who knows? Might be the same place. Wouldn't that be cool? But we set the scene here. And this this weight that's on Christ is huge, right? And even we see it just a little while later when he's in the garden, he's sweating, tears, drips of blood. That's how stressed his physical man is. Because he knows what he's about to go through. We were like, well, it's God, right? But he's 100% man. Right? No one's falling asleep today, right? Remember my rule, if you fall asleep, I'm going to come wake you up. (laughs) 
But there's this overwhelming weight in the cost that he is about to pay on the cross for all of mankind. I can do that. We're family. We love you. And usually on these evenings, there's something important to say. So I want to share three important things. If you want to write them down, you have a place to make notes on the back of your bulletin today. There's a pen in front of you. Write these down. Look at this. The first one. The first thing that happens here is, says this in, in John. And this is the point today. Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Direct quote, Jesus. A.D. something, 30. A.D. zero, whatever. John watched with wonder and suspense as Jesus prepared to wash the disciples' feet. Each step was astounding scene that was imprinted in John's mind. Because he didn't write this right then. He's like watching. Okay. No, he watched this event, the Last Supper, and Jesus starts preparing. It's normal to, you know, it would be a normal event that when you're at this, this Passover feast, wherever, that a servant, the lowliest servant, would come in and wash the people at the meal's Feet. Like, why would they wash their feet, Pastor Landon? Well, they didn't have these nice shoes on or Adidas and socks. They had sandals. And the, the place, all the places that they went were dusty and possibly dry. And these feet were, I'll leave it to your imagination. It wasn't normal for the king of kings to wash your feet. But as we know, in God's kingdom, things are a lot different, aren't they? Look what it says in John 13, 2-5. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and that's what a servant would have been doing. That would have been one of the jobs when they came in for the meal. After that, he poured water into a basin he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now let's pause for a minute. And visually, let's, let's see this scene. I don't know about you, but do you wash people's feet that come over to your house? Yeah, my wife is like, take off your shoes. <laughs> Don't make my house dirty from your feet. <laughs> this was a, an extreme act of servanthood. It's Jesus on the eve of his crucifixion showing all of us what we should be like. And in our culture, it's like, how can I be served? 
How can someone do something for me? If they're not going to do anything for me, I'm definitely not going to do anything for them. But guess what? Jesus, as usual, is showing us how to live our life. Is showing us that we should be extreme in our act of servanthood. According to Jewish laws and tradition, it was absolutely unthinkable that the master would wash his disciples' feet. Now, Jesus wasn't the only teacher or master parading through uh, during these times. You know, people would find a teacher, it's like, oh, I like, I like Howie. Can you be my teacher? And then I would be his disciple, and I'd follow Howie around. And Howie would tell me how to live my life. And maybe he, who knows what kind of group um, from Jewish culture that he would be. But he would, I, he would be teaching me, Howie's not going to be washing my feet. But Jesus was different. At this moment, Jesus did something that must have almost seemed crazy to the disciples. They've seen some crazy things. But this would be very humbling for them. Imagine your boss shows up at work and does something, maybe not foot washing, but maybe something that you're like, well, you don't have to do that. You're the, you're the, you run this place. And he began to do the job of the lowliest servant in the household. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. And Jesus didn't just do, a, do it for show. He himself, he gave it completely to the work. He prepared in the way that a servant would prepare. Took off the outer clothing. He put a towel on, basin. This was not some photo op for a president with a shovel and a hard hat. You know that that guy is not going to dig any holes anywhere or put together a building, right? Oh, I'm going to be there with the shovel. I'm going to, you know, get the big scissors and, you know, get the photo op and they're going to put us online and I did something. You with me? Or, you know, the leader or the church leader who shows up at, at, at the uh, event to, to feed the homeless and they do one just for the picture, right? And then they sit back and they're like, oh, good. I'm on, I'm on the Facebook, so I did my thing. No, this was a true servant act of leadership. True humility. True love for his disciples. Jesus went around the table washing feet. Imagine when he got to Judas. Guess what? He washed Judas' feet too. No one was excluded. He knew that what Judas was about to do, but he still served him too. It was a dramatic scene. And guess what? In Luke 22, right before this event, the disciples showed up. John and Peter and all, all these guys, they're like, who's the greatest of all of us? Who's the greatest disciple? You know, they're walking in like, we're doing the Passover with Jesus. Who's the greatest disciple? 
imagine how they would be eating their words at this moment. And aren't we like that? I'm like that. They're debating who the greatest is. And the greatest is down on his hands and knees washing their feet. So if you're going away or if you get to hang out with people for the last time, won't you be showing them or if it's your kids, you're going to show them or tell them the important things of life. And this was quite the event. But Jesus truly illustrated true greatness. Look what happens next here. John 13, 6-8. He came to Simon Peter. Here we go, Peter. Who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Now, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter goes off on this, well, wash everything. What? <laughs> You know, we won't have that, we don't have that part on there, but you got to go back and read it, right? And Jesus is like, listen, nobody needs everything washed. You just had a bath. Come on, dude. But this is the part, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Yes, Jesus was teaching us to, to be servants and, and to be humble and, and to love each other. Teaching us to work hard and do it completely, Yes. But mostly in this moment, he's showing us that unless he washes us, we can't be clean. Unless he is the one who washes us, we have no part in his kingdom. Unless he goes to the cross and the blood is shed for us and all mankind, we cannot be clean and we have no part in the kingdom. Wow. In our, our culture, imagine if someone says something like this. No one wants to hear what they can or cannot do. But Jesus is saying, unless I wash you, you have no part. And remember what he said to him. You won't know what I'm talking about right now, but you will know what I'm talking about. And guess what? Most of us in the room, now we know what he's talking about here. We can try all we want to cleanse ourselves. We can try all we want to do the right thing. Right? We can get all the books. Right? We can get all the self-help stuff. Make every day a Friday. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that book. I think it's a book. <laughs> but we cannot cleanse ourselves from sin. We cannot not get into heaven by ourselves. It's because of the blood of Christ who will cleanse us. And there's nothing that we can do to earn or deserve it. It's all about what he did and just saying, yes, Lord, I believe you. I want to follow you. I put my trust in you. 
And guess what? He makes you a new creation, created in Christ Jesus. And he cleanses you. And now, guess what? We now have an open door to be part of the kingdom. Isn't that awesome? There was a bridge that was broken down, right? When Adam and Eve sinned. And now Jesus said, no, no, I'm rebuilding the bridge with my blood. And so we need to let Jesus wash the sin away. That's the only way it can go away. Amen? So number two, so he taught us about that. Number two, then he goes into this part. Number two, do this in remembrance of me. Everybody say remembrance. Remember, I remember when I was a kid in Canada, uh, on, on November 11th, we call it Remembrance Day. Right? And so on Remembrance Day at 11-11, we remember those who fought for our freedom. We do the same thing here. Remember, and how much more so, look in, in Luke twenty two nineteen that we remember what Jesus Listen, he's telling them ahead of time. <laughs> so this is as much for us as it was for the disciples. Luke twenty-two nineteen. look. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the bread was lifted up at Passover, okay, it was a normal thing. They'd have bread there at Passover. That's what they're celebrating. The head of the meal said, this is the bread of affliction, which our fathers ate in the land of Egypt. Let everyone who hungers come and eat. Let everyone who is needy come and eat the Passover meal. Everything eaten at Passover... had a symbolic meaning. There was a meaning behind all of it. The bitter herbs recalled the bitterness of slavery. The salt water remember, reminded them of the tears that were shed under the oppression in Egypt. The main course of the meal would be a lamb freshly sacrificed for that household. And that didn't symbolize any ag agonies in Egypt, but it was the sin-bearing sacrifice that allowed the judgment of God to pass over their household, saying pretty much when they put that blood on the doorpost, it said, for me and my house, we're, 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 we're following the Lord. Please pass over our place. And so this Passover that they're celebrating really created a free, not like ours, but a free nation from Egypt. And became a nation. And the new Passover also creates a people. Those who are united with Jesus. Makes us Christians. Amen? And just like they remembered being free at Passover during the Exodus, we now remember... I've got mine. We're not going to take right now, but if you want to get yours ready, it might take you a second to get your, your bread out. But I want us to look at this for a moment, what this represents. 
And if you don't have any, we'll get you some. If someone wants to bring extra out. If you don't have any, just put your hand up because we're going to take communion here at the end of service. So at Passover, this reminded them of their freedom from slavery. And Jesus wants us during communion, during this moment when we see the bread is to be reminded of the broken body of the beaten body of Christ to remember that we were once slaves to sin the Bible says and now that we are free in Christ because he was broken and beaten for our life for our freedom in him this is how we remember what Jesus did for us as we eat the bread, we should remember how Jesus was broken and beaten for our redemption. I think everybody, if you, if you need one, just put your hand up. We need one right here on the front row. So that's the bread. And so if you have it out, would you just break that bread? And then just maybe set it back here. And then the last thing at the table that he did before they went off to the Garden of Gethsemane that he spoke to his people about was this. Number three. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. In verse 20 of Luke 22, it says this, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new, everyone say new. This cup is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. You know, remarkably, Jesus announces a new covenant. Right? Abraham, so many years before that, was God gave a covenant to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now, what had been prophesied about for hundreds and hundreds of years is now meeting at this very moment in this upper room at the Last Supper. And Jesus declares a new covenant. New things are exciting, aren't they? They're fresh. Not just anyone can announce a new covenant. But there's this new covenant he's talking about between God and man. Imagine, and he uses the God-man. Jesus is 100% man. He's 100% God. He's here to bridge the gap between us and God who before the bridge was broken. The inner cleansing was spoken about long ago by God to Jeremiah the prophet. Look at this, Jeremiah 31, 33 to 34. 
This is the covenant I will make with the, with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will, this is the fourth I will in these two verses. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. And at this very moment, Jesus is declaring, church, is declaring in this moment, this is what God was talking about in Jeremiah. Here is the new covenant. Partaking in the, in the communion, in the cup, if you want to get your cup ready. Is so important, especially as we remember the cross, as we remember what Jesus did for us. Sorry. You know, last last week, Emma and I, my daughter and I, got to go. I got to go on a field trip with her and her class to to Kennedy Space Center. It was it was awesome seeing where where all the Apollo missions were launched from, and seeing the space shuttle Atlantis, and as a Canadian, seeing the Canadian arm hanging off of the space shuttle Atlantis, in seeing in every space possible President Kennedy's speech, right? We choose to go to the moon, this decade, and do the other things, not because it's easy, but because it is hard. That was awesome. But there was one thing that I had kind of heard about over the years that wasn't spoken about. About the first landing on the moon. So I was curious this week, and I'm like, i gotta, I got to do some digging. So on Sunday, July 20th, 1969, at 8.13 p.m., the Eagle Lunar Module landed on the moon's sea of tranquility for the first time ever. And astronauts Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong were instructed by Houston, take a four-hour nap. Imagine being there, right? At the precipice, you're you're like this great moment in time, and you're telling us before we get to walk on the moon, we got to take a nap. Probably due to whatever they were figuring out for TV. Buzz Buzz Aldrin now spent his time doing something unexpected something no man had ever attempted before. Alone and overwhelmed by anticipation, he took part in the first communion ever on the moon and in outer space and in the galaxy. 
Aldrin got on the comm system and spoke to the ground crew back on Earth. I'd like to request a few moments of silence, he said. I would like to invite each person listening in, wherever and whomever he may be, to contemplate for a moment the events of the past few hours and give thanks in his own individual way. It's pretty awesome, right? It's not spoken about very often. They didn't put it on TV. But guess what? They're not going to put this on TV. But in this moment, as a church, we stand for a moment and we say, I'm going to take the bread and remember. Can we stand together? So this is my challenge for you today. Can we have a moment of silence and take the bread together? And as we take the cup, we do this in remembrance of him. as we bow our heads before we go today, can we bow our heads for a moment? I believe that God spoke to some of you today and said, now is your day to follow me. Today is the day of salvation. And so if that's you today and say, you know what? I want to give my life. I've been running. I've been turning in another direction. Today is my day. I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you just say that with your hand? Say, that's me. Amen. Anyone else? Today's a day. Thank you. Anyone else? people said yes they said I want to follow Jesus amen so can we say this prayer with them today Jesus thank you for my life thank you for the cross thank you for the bread to remember the blood that you shed that cleanses me from my sin forgive it Remember it no more. Fill me with your Holy Spirit.
in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Come on, we celebrate today.